0: Chapter 17 of The Red Cross Girls with the Italian Army. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Red Cross Girls with the Italian Army by Margaret Van de Chapter 17. The Culprit. Nona remained all night at the villa, but she was unable to sleep. As a matter of fact, she was more unhappy over the situation in which Sonia was at present placed than she was willing to confess to carlo it seemed absurd to that sonia who had come to italy hoping only to be left alone and enjoy a perfectly quiet and undisturbed time should now be involved in what what might become an extremely serious business but to nona also it appeared impossible that there could have been anyone in the villa felice capable of treachery there had only been two reasons for the trail of a nation's secret at time of war one is love of country which makes one willing to betray any trust take any personal risk for the sake of aiding one's own land the other is of course a love of money there have been Spies who have been bought and paid for as long as modern war has existed. But the guests at Sonia's had all been Italians, ardent and devoted to Italy's service. If they had been too outspoken, this was only because of their too great enthusiasm. It was barely possible that afterwards one of them might have said too much of what he had heard at Sonia's, without appreciating the seriousness of what he was doing. But Carlo had reported that actual papers had been found with conversations which had taken place at the Villa Felice written out in detail. Nona did not believe that this information was really so important in itself. The important point was that someone had been among them who was undoubtedly in service of the enemy. Nona wished that there was someone whose advice she might ask in the present difficulty only if Eugio Zoli were in Florence. He was Sonia's friend and her own. Carlo was almost as much of a stranger in Italy as he was and Dr. Lantham was. Of course, out of the question. Then Nona probably fell asleep for a short time. She was occupying her own bedroom, the one adjoining Sonia's. She was awakened by hearing a faint noise not far from her own door. Her door had been accidentally left Partly ajar so getting up nona quietly walked to the door and peeped out it was only bianca creeping timidly along the hall and then down the stairs at the back of the house she had on a little wrapper too short for her and looked more childish than ever for a moment nona wondered what in the world she could be doing stealing about the house at such an hour of the night then she realized that bianca must be going to find her mother Nanina slept on the lower floor of the villa, in a room which had been built upon the house for her use. Naturally, Bianca was worried by the events of the day. Nona had noticed how white and unhappy she had appeared, but had talked to her very little during the afternoon. But evidently, Bianca had some affection for her mother and was seeking her now for consolation. Since Nona was convinced of this, was curious that she should have instantly slipped on her dressing gown and prepared to follow bianca yet she did this without making a sound that could betray her presence to the other girl as soon as she reached it bianca entered her mother's room without knocking but she did not close the door tightly afterwards outside nona stood and waited after all she had no reason which she considered justified her in trying to hear what bianca could have to say to her mother at this hour of the night bianca seeking nanina at this time might not be due entirely to the fact that she wished to be comforted yet the first thing nona overheard was bianca crying softly she did this as she did most things in a gentle, refined fashion, but revealing deeper emotion than Nona had believed her capable of feeling. Yet instead of trying to console her, her daughter, for whatever was troubling her, Nanina said something to her in response, which sounded angry and harsh. But I didn't know that the Signora would have to suffer. You should have told me. Bianca, with more courage than she usually showed to her mother. She has been most kind to me, and I am fond of her. Bianca spoke quietly, but did not whisper, having no idea, of course, that anyone could be listening. Nanina's tones were lower but perhaps more from habit than her any other reason, as she to believe that she and Bianca were at present alone in the lower part of the house. However, whenever she had talked to her daughter in the past, she had always spoken in low tones, seldom wishing anyone to know what she was saying. No, you did not know that Signora would suffer, but then neither did I. Naninas returned seeking a little louder so that Nona could have half hear and half guess her words But you knew we needed money and that you must have it Pretty soon your Signora will be going away Do you think other people will treat you as she has? Your Iugino and Paolo may be killed but they may forget you I can't take any more money. Italian people are too poor even to pay for what Signora does. Then what is to become of you? I could work. Bianca returned slowly. Nanina laughed. But her laugh did not express pleasure. You work, Bianca. You did not belong to the kind of people who know how to work. Your father didn't know how before you. My father, Bianca questioned. And for the first time, Nona felt ashamed of her own eavesdropping. If Bianca and her mother were to talk, intimate personal affairs, certainly she was doing wrong to listen. And yet she had already heard enough to make what had not been more than a vague idea at the beginning now develop into a real suspicion. You have scarcely ever mentioned my father to me before. I think you ought to tell me who he was and why you have chosen to bring me up so differently from other girls in my position. Bianca spoke timidly, as if she were fearful both of her mother and of what her mother might reply. There was no answer for a moment. Oh, well, I suppose you might as well be told, Nanina answered sullenly, Else you'll be imagining more about yourself than is true. Your father was a kind of cousin to Dona Elisbifeta, not a very close cousin, but she had been fonder of him as a girl than her family liked. You see, he was poor and he was regarded as of no account in the United States. Well, after the Dona Elisbifeta had been married a little while, she sailed over to Italy and one day came to her to see her. I had only just come here to work. Oh, I wasn't so bad looking then. Bianca, so you need to not stare. Although I wasn't a bit like your pink and white prettiness, I was tall and dark and strong. It is your father you look like. He just came up to my shoulder, but he had lovely fair hair and skin and charming manners, like this Signora Eugio whom you like so much. And he was he was nice to me. He was nice to everybody. Also, like the young signor and Dona Elisipetta, did not know what he was doing on behind her back, of course. But after a little while, were married. We did not tell anybody, and I went on working here. Your father did not have any money and he continued staying at the Villa Felice because he had no other place to go. And Dona Elisbifeta, husband, was not too pleased. So your father would have no home and he was accum- accustomed to being comfortable and cared for by someone. Nanina was not speaking with any harshness and- or condemnation but with a kind of pride and tenderness, outside her door, Nona Davis felt her cheeks flaming. There was no doubt that she had not, not the right to hear Nanina's conversation, yet she made no move toward going away. Well, after a while, we had to tell, and then your father was angry and sorry he had ever married me. His family was furious. They had done a little for him, now they had then given him the money to come abroad. But they wrote to him then that he would have to go to work and support his peasant wife. He had never supported himself and Dona Elisabeth was angry too. At first, more than anyone, but she was very kind and she also cared a great deal for your father, Bianca. One could scarcely have guessed it, was the Italian peasant woman who was speaking. Her voice was deep and soft, and had the musical quality of the Italian voice, which before had been lacking in Nanina's. So, there was nothing for your father to do but to find work. He did try for a little while, and the donor, Elis took care of me. Then you were born. He had no money to come back to us at that time, and he had gone away to another city where the Dona Elisbifeta's cousin had gotten him work. But it was too hard for him, and after a while the people he was living with sent for me. He was ill, and I brought him back home, and Dona Elisbifeta and I took care of him in a little house she had r- rented for us. But he had taken cold and then gone on working too long afterwards. So after a little time, he died. You see, everybody can't work, Bianca Mia. Although the world believes they can. But when he died, your father made me promise that you were to be brought up as his daughter should be. Once or twice he said he was sorry he had given you to a peasant mother, but that he cared for me because I was always good to him. So I have tried to be good to you. Bianca, although I have not tried to make you love me, I have not wished you to think of me too much, because I knew you two would be ashamed. I am sorry about Signora, because she has been good to you, and you care for her. It is natural, Bianca, that you should feel close to someone. It is not your fault that you do not love me. You cannot help it, but I didn't know that what I have been doing would ever be found out. There was no other way I could get enough money for you. I have thought lately, maybe if there was money, the Signora might take you to the United States with her, and when she goes and put you into a school there. But I had dreamed that we would be found out. Do you think I would have let you help me? I used to try and stay with the Signora's guests as long as I could to find out what was being said, but I could not always manage. So I began letting you repeat to me what you heard, and then when I was too stupid to remember, I let you write it down. Now, Bianca Mia, can't you see? If we were found out, if they discover I have been selling Italian secrets, it is you who must suffer also. Oh, I ought to have known better. I ought to have kept you out of this. Yes, Nanina, Bianca answered to her. Voice shaking, I'm stupid too, or I might have guessed I would be endangered, but I have always been stupid, forgetting for an instant that she was in hiding. Nona actually gasped, but not at Nanina's treachery as soon as Nanina and Bianca began their conversation. She had anticipated something of what Nanina had just confessed, wicked and unforgivable. It was that Nanina had betrayed her country for money in order to bestow it upon her daughter, but at the instant it seemed almost worse to Nona Davis that Bianca could have accepted her mother complete sacrifice of herself in the spirit in which evidently she did accept it. Even now, her thought was not for her mother, but wholly for herself. Then Nona recalling the story which Nanina had just told, remembering the utter and supreme selfishness of the man who had been Nanina's husband and was Bianca's father, wondered if this did not explain Bianca's nature, but there was no more reason why she should linger already nanina had told more than she had dreamed of hearing but had taken place was evident between them nanina and bianca had sold information which they overheard at Sonya's, to a secret agent of the german government what nona did not know at this moment was that she must do with the information she had overheard however she would Go to Sonya the next day and confide in her. Then between them they must decide what was best. End of chapter seventeen